Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we'll be talking about pregnancy loss while trying to conceive over the course of today's episode. If that's a topic that's sensitive to you or you're just not ready to listen to right now, then we'll catch you at a later episode. And with that, let's get started. Welcome back to the Mama To Be Honest podcast. My name is Jenea, and this is episode three. It is April, you guys. I cannot believe how fast the year is going. I feel like we just celebrated New Year's. It's just moving super quick. I am really glad to be saying goodbye to the winter weather, even though it still feels like winter here in the Bay Area. Just waiting for things to start warming up a little bit so we can be outside more. The time has changed, so I want the weather to start changing a bit more too. We are spring cleaning and leaning over here. I feel like both of our kids have gone through these crazy growth spurts lately, so we've had to lean out their closets a bit, take out all the stuff that doesn't fit them anymore, cry a little bit on the inside, (laughs) and just make room for new clothes. My daughter needs a ton of new basics, so we're probably going to take a trip to Target like we do every weekend and just spruce up her closet a bit. Uh, Another fun update this week, we signed enrollment paperwork for Jade. She'll be starting preschool later this year. It's a really structured preschool, so it's basically support all the way up until kindergarten, and I was so emotional when we signed that paperwork. Um, She and Malachi are at the same daycare right now, and so they're going to be split up for a little while. They're 17 months apart. The age difference is significant enough for them to be, you know, just developmentally not kind of on the same page, but I feel like that will change later in life. So she'll be going to a new preschool later this year, and he will be closely behind her but probably spending a little more time where they're both at now. So just a couple life updates. I hope you all had a great week last week and that you're ready for a kickoff to April and this spring. I am so excited for this week's episode. It's one that is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a a pretty sensitive topic for a lot of people. And I know that from my personal experience, hearing other people's experiences, testimonies about their own instances of pregnancy loss and trying to conceive, which is going to be the core topic of today, just hearing that from other people has helped me with my own struggles. I'm hoping that this will be a great episode to share with those who you might think would benefit from it, or if you're going through your own personal struggles or have experienced any kind of pregnancy loss while trying to conceive, I just wish I could give you a big, 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 big hug, sending you all of my virtual love through this microphone and just want you to know that you are not alone. And if you ever need anyone to talk to about this, please, I am... I am such an open door. So I was thinking about the best ways to kick off this topic. And I think the best, the best, the best way to approach it is just by sharing my own stories and my own experiences, because it is such a personal thing to go through. And 
it's hard to talk about pregnancy loss so broadly without applying it to your own situation. And so I think the best way for me to start talking about this and unpacking it is just by going through my own my own experience with pregnancy loss. And there have been quite a bit. I am I'm I'm currently 30. I'm I'm 30 years old. My husband and I got married when I just turned 25. We when we first got married, we were pretty set on waiting a few years to to try uh, having a baby. We wanted to travel a lot, which we did, and we wanted to just double income, no kids life, <laughs> which was wonderful. It was a really fun time, and we traveled a ton together. And that's something I know we're going to get back to, but we really wanted to spend kind of our early years of our marriage just fully focused on each other, uh, maybe you know, getting ourselves a bit more financially ready to bring babies into the world. And so by the time 2019 rolled around, we were ready to start. We were just like, you know what? We're <laughs> we're ready, we're set. We know we both want this, so so let's try. So at that time, I was on birth control, had to go through the process of getting it removed, which was not fun. <laughs> the only birth control that's ever really kind of worked with my body and I say worked in quotations because none of it really has been a great experience for me but I've always had the arm implant and that's been my birth control of choice I had had it for a few years at that point so I got that removed and was talking to my OB about how long it would take for my body to adjust to being off of birth control she said it could take anywhere from three to six months. And by that time, you know, you should start trying to trying to have a baby. So pretty quickly after I got off of birth control, I feel like my body had reacclimated to itself and was we were ready to start to, to, to start trying to conceive. Before that, I actually had really a not a good pulse on my own cycle. I had always been fairly irregular throughout my younger years or high school. I had never had a normal cycle. I would I would go a month without a period. I would have multiple periods during a cycle. It would be really weird. And so I'd always just thought I was a bit abnormal or irregular. So I'd expected, you know, maybe to have some some complications and trying to conceive just because I could never once I started figuring out, okay, how to track my cycle, how to track my ovulation window, and that kind of optimal time to you know, try to have a baby to have sex, I remembered, oh, wow, I've always been irregular, and maybe this won't be as, as straightforward as people say. So we tried for a few months after you know, getting off of birth control and, and re-regulating my body to the best of my ability. We tried for a few months and nothing happened, tried for a few more months and then we got pregnant. And I could definitely tell because I had, you know, some of those telltale signs of of pregnancy. You know, my my breasts were sore, I was feeling kind of gross and queasy. I just feel like you're you just know that something is off and it is not the same thing as say 
PMS or your normal menstrual symptoms. So at that, at that point in time, I, we, I took a pregnancy test. It was positive. We were so excited. And I scheduled a follow-up appointment with my with my OB. When I went when I went to my my doctor's appointment to get get a urine sample, this was about a few days later after I had taken um, an at-home test. That doctor's office urine sample had come back negative, and I was like, "Wait, how? Why?" My pre- my at-home pregnancy test. I had taken like five or six of them. They all said positive. And so I emailed my doctor, we went back and forth a bit and she was like, okay, let's, you know, the urine sample is um, not very sensitive. Let's, let's try, uh, let's try a blood test and, and see, see what we get back in terms of your HCG levels. And so I was just so confused and super anxious at this, at this point in time after getting my blood drawn and, and waiting for those results. And my doctor calls me and says, so you are pregnant. I see here, you know, on the on your HCG levels are in in the threshold of being pregnant, but they are extremely low. They are extremely low levels. So essentially your HCG levels should be exponentially rising like day after day once you are once you are confirmed pregnant, the, that hormone level should just be exponentially rising and and mine were not and I was about six or seven weeks along at this point and I was like what does that mean does it does it does it mean does it mean something is wrong with the baby and she said well like well we're not we don't know yet but it's it's likely that you are having a what what they call a chemical miscarriage or a chemical pregnancy and what that is, it's basically a super early miscarriage that happens around the five-week mark. So you have an embryo that tries to implant into your uterus, but then that embryo stops, it essentially stops developing. So the doctor told me that these types of things happen all the time, and you know sometimes women will go through them and and just see and just think of it as a late period. But we were so on top of testing early and testing often and just having all of that like positive pregnancy tests in my face and only for it to be something different on the doctor's end just completely shattered me. And I was like, well, is there any way for, you know, this to be wrong and that will actually see my hormone level start to increase and she says well it's it's very unlikely at this point and you pretty much just have to wait for your body to miscarry because after this conversation I still had no signs of a miscarriage I wasn't bleeding I wasn't in any pain and it was only a matter of time so after I after I had that conversation with the doctor it was later that night like around midnight 1am where I just felt I felt something was wrong I I I was particularly on the right side of my abdomen and luckily it wasn't an ectopic pregnancy or anything, but I, I told Maurice like I I need to go to the ER. I'm in, I'm in pain. 
And uh, sure enough, we got to the ER and they took another blood pregnancy test and my HCG levels at that point had dropped down to zero, back to back to not not pregnant levels. And the the ER OB was a very kind person trying trying his best to kind of um, comfort us and you know let us know that that it's okay. And I, I, I can't really describe the feeling just being in that ER bed, um, bleeding, and I just felt like a complete failure. Like something, it was something that we had so been looking forward to, something that we felt like we were doing everything right for, only for it to not work. And something that he immediately said that I, I didn't really, I didn't really hear him. I didn't really listen to him, the doctor. He said, you know, some, some women will find comfort in the fact that your body was open to pregnancy, that you became pregnant. It just didn't work out this time around. And at that point I was like, you know, get the F out of my face. (laughs) I don't want anyone trying to comfort me right now. This, this sucks. And so we went home. I I think I slept that night. I don't it wasn't a very good sleep. I just felt so defeated. Like I was a failure. Like something's wrong with me. And it was really devastating. And looking back on that first miscarriage, and yes, I say first, that was such a an emotionally traumatic experience for me because I think I at that time knew so little about pregnancy and I knew so little about how my body worked and how how women's bodies work that it it just destroyed me. I I had no idea if I had done something wrong, if there was anything I had eaten. I was like, did I eat something? Did I, did I drink something? Was I, you know, was I drinking? Like just trying to find some reason to explain why this happened to me. And so that I could figure out whether we could avoid it in the future. And if this could even happen again. And this really, really kind of plummeted me into kind of a a mini, a mini depression of sorts, because after that, I wanted to completely cut myself off from all of my friends, all of my family. I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to give any kind of update to my, to my parents on how things were going. I didn't want to, I didn't want to eat anything, drink anything. It was, it was really kind of tough for a couple months after that. I didn't even want to try, try again for a while. And I didn't know when I would be ready to. Maurice did all he could to kind of see me out of that, that pit. And at that point it was August of 2019, which is so funny because who would have known that a year later we would, we would have Jade. And so after some time, we kind of came out of that of that of that um, experience, and we were just like, okay, let's let's look at things here. Our our OB had recommended that 
take a couple months to let your body recover from from the pregnancy loss and again be reassured that that my body was open to pregnancy and that I should try again and try again hopeful that this would be successful the next time and you don't really think about how common chemical miscarriages are in any even any kind of miscarriage before like within the first trimester like how common they are until you have more than one and I'll get into that a little later but I have had more than one I've had three to be exact so after the first miscarriage took a little bit of time off and then we started trying intentionally trying to get pregnant again and this was around December this was back back before the world shut down this was holiday party season we were going to holiday parties we were eating drinking being merry and just not thinking about like not overthinking getting pregnant and before I knew it I had gotten pregnant (laughs) I was pregnant again in December and I actually thought I was miscarrying again because I had some early spotting. I was like, okay, well, here we go again. Like, how am I going to be able to handle this a second time and so soon to the last one? But my HCG levels skyrocketed and it was a healthy pregnancy. At that time, I had a ton of lasting anxiety from the from uh, the miscarriage and so days not even days hours would go by and I'd be like okay I gotta take another pregnancy test or okay I gotta call my doctor and see if there's anything else I can do to make sure I'm still pregnant just being you know in that hyper state of control again but I got past the 12 week mark that kind of sweet spot of of People say you're kind of in the clear after that point, but just kind of the lasting thought of that first miscarriage through my first pregnancy, I always had kind of that scared feeling in the back of of my throat and and in my head around could something happen to this baby? You know, is the baby moving? Am I going to be able to carry this baby to term? Could something happen? And those thoughts stirring up in my head definitely carried throughout my first pregnancy. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I don't know if Jade experienced any stress in the womb because of that, but very, very blessed that she is here and she's here yelling at me and telling me what to do. (laughs) And Such a smart, independent girl. And we are so, so very lucky to have her. And I think I, the first time I took a really kind of breath out was when she was here on top of me and breathing and she was, she let out a big cry and I was like, we did it. (laughs) We did it. We got through it. But that first miscarriage is really always going to be something that sticks with me because it was such a new and scary and confusing experience that really made me feel so alone because not a lot of people talk about miscarriage 
because I felt so much shame when I miscarried. I felt embarrassed. I felt like I did something wrong. I, it is my fault that I this pregnancy didn't work. And if I'm having those feelings, then so many other women have also had that feeling and you don't want to ever talk about that out loud. You don't ever want to share your shame with someone. And I felt so incredibly alone. I remember just calling my mom and just crying and just not understanding what was going on and you know, why what did I do wrong? Why is this why is this my fault? Why does God hate me? Just finding something to explain why it happened. And it wasn't really until my second miscarriage that I realized this is just something that my body goes through. And this is something that just happens. And there's no way, there's no way most of the time to understand or know why it happens. You just need to know that it's not your fault. And it took me a really long time to accept that it was not my fault. And about, I think, six or seven months after having Jade, I got pregnant again. I remember feeling very numb at the the positive pregnancy test. I was like, oh, not numb in a bad way, but just numb in a, oh, I'm, I'm pregnant. And it's interesting because about a week later I miscarried and it was nowhere near as traumatic as the first one because it again it happened very early on I didn't even I didn't even go through any conversations with my doctor at that point also just having so much going on and having recovered from such a a poor sleep cycle and getting my sleep back. And at that point, I had also stopped breastfeeding. So just a lot of changes, a lot of things going on. By the way, I think I got pregnant because I had stopped breastfeeding and I wasn't on birth control. (laughs) I tried to get on birth control uh, after I gave birth to Jade, but it just didn't work out. And so I don't know why, but I I think it it was just my body's way of telling me that this is not the right time to get pregnant. This is not going to be a viable pregnancy. And I think being able to put that kind of sense around it and detaching it so much around what I'm doing or what I'm not doing or could I be doing something wrong really kind of allowed me to look at it from a new perspective that, okay, your body is just going to go through this type of loss while you're trying or or not trying to get pregnant. It's just going to happen. It's part of the pregnancy process. And once once I thought about it that way, we had talked about trying to get pregnant again. And, you know, even after having that second miscarriage take place and we miscarried a third time I got pregnant shortly thereafter again miscarried again and it was still hard don't get me wrong it was still really hard but I was much more capable of talking about it and talking through it and getting getting out of my own head with it because 
I realized just how underreported these types of things are because of that. And in just continuing to talk to my OB and my support system and my friends and my family, I just grew a bit more confidence around understanding my own body and understanding that pregnancy is an actual miracle (laughs) and that they happen in the right circumstances and when they're supposed to happen. And I am so like my heart goes out to all of the people experiencing infertility or issues trying to conceive because that shit messes with your mind. And even after having gone through it three times and feeling in a much more capable place to talk about it, I I have never experienced anything like the really challenging circumstances of infertility, all of the ways that that can come about. And I just so deeply sympathize with every woman who's facing any kind of challenge on infertility. It must be such an incredibly just unfair journey to go through. And I don't in any way want to compare or even draw similarities from my personal experiences with pregnancy loss and someone else's experiences with infertility because they're they're not the same experience. I'm not going to pretend like I know about anything related to, to infertility, but I think something that has helped me kind of get through these moments of loss are just seeking out my community and pushing past as much as possible. I know it's so much easier said than done. It's taken a long time to push past it, but just pushing past the shame in all of it and trying as best as you can to find the support and the ability to detach you as a person from the things that just happen to you and leveraging that support as much as you can to to get to that other side and i would i just i just really hope that anyone that has gone through miscarriage and maybe who has only gone has gone through one or their first one just understanding that there is comfort to find in the fact that your your body was open to pregnancy and that you can try again there are so many opportunities to explore successful pregnancy even if it leads to more miscarriages i just would encourage you to continue communicating with those who lift you up and of course your doctor but having gone through three of these i just i'm fully expecting it to happen again like i'm gonna be real with you guys we want to have more kids We are thinking about having a third soon. I have just recently got off birth control. We are not in any kind of intentional way starting to track cycles or anything. I just kind of want to enjoy my time right now with our, our two little ones. But 
yeah, I am fully bracing myself for this to happen again because I just, I can just, I can sense it. I can sense it. My body has just gotten off another round of birth control and I just know that something's going to happen. You know, something's going to not be the right time and I am going to have to push through that. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, feel like it's just going to be something I can brush off because these are never easy situations to go through. I just, I, for me, it just makes me feel like, (laughs) I guess I'm in a little control over how I react to certain situations. And so miscarriage, (sighs) I feel like miscarriage and me are homies at this point. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) I don't know if that's a cool thing to say, but anyway, I am, thank you for letting me share my experiences with you guys Oh, and yeah, after my third miscarriage, we got pregnant again shortly thereafter, and now comes Malachi. (laughs) My beautiful baby boy. One thing I feel like I need to also say before we move into Q&A, I think something so beautiful to come out of all of those miscarriages I, I just think about how crazy it is that I wouldn't have my, my kids now if those things didn't happen. And I don't know if that is a weird thing to say or if that's taken in any type of way from, you know, from different perspectives. But I just think I wouldn't have Jade or I wouldn't have Malachi without those instances of loss. And I cannot imagine my life without them. Wild stuff. Wild stuff, you guys. <laughs> I'm over here trying not to cry. I think, <laughs> I think that that is enough vulnerability <laughs> to that degree for today. This was a, a, pretty, a pretty big topic. Uh, I would, if you are struggling in any way with, with miscarriage or pregnancy loss or just want someone to talk through it with, please reach out to me because I would, I just, I would love to listen or, you know, be anything that you guys need. And if you are in a place where you're thinking about trying to conceive with your partner, I also have kind of a list of favorite cycle trackers and resources if you're in the process of learning about your cycle or how to track it or how to, you know, identify optimal ovulation windows and understanding when you ovulate. It's just a ton of interesting stuff that (laughs) you'll come to learn about your own self. I had no idea how any of this worked until we started trying to conceive. I had no idea that you could only get pregnant within like a 10 day period out of the entire month. I was like 27 years old and I didn't understand that. (laughs) So no shame if you don't understand it either. I am more than happy to share all of the resources that I use when, when trying to conceive and trying to track my cycle. So let us move over into Q&A. So we have quite a bit of questions this week. So let's see if we can get through all of them. The first question comes from Brie A. Hill. Hi, Brie. Thank you so much for asking a question. 
Your question is, did you have a birth plan for your kids? Did it go how you expected? This is a really good question. I do want to go through both of my birth stories in depth in another episode, but I would love to kind of touch on the idea of a birth plan and if we made one. And the answer is yes, we did. But our two birth plans looked very different from each other. (laughs) We definitely were a bit more detailed with our first one, not knowing that it's just going to go how it goes and things could change in the moment. But we had everything (laughs) for our first birth plan. We had everything out from like, we want the lights dimmed and we want electric candles and here's you know the level of intervention that I want and, and want to avoid. But when you are in the moment having crazy contractions and you just want to dig your fingernails into the earth, <laughs> things just go much differently. Now for both of our kids, we did elect hospital medicated hospital births. So you know, the birth plan really kind of consists of preferred intervention, you know, things like birthing ball, bathtub, things that are going to be made available at the hospital. So I definitely had those things listed on, on like a, a, like a, on a, like a preferred list of the things that I wanted. But after getting to the hospital and going through my, my first labor and delivery experience experience, I kind of recognized, okay, there's really only a few core things that really kind of matter in a birth plan. And even if those things that I consider super important could very well go out the window in the moment and that's okay. So my last, my, my, for my two experiences with labor and delivery, I always have a birth plan and I always expect to rip it up. So two things can be true (laughs) and I would love to go through that in more detail uh, in another episode. The second question is from Jalisa's mama. Hi, Jalisa. How do you deal with mom guilt? I would love to ask this question (laughs) to anyone except me. So first, I guess, what is mom guilt to me? To me, mom guilt is the feeling that I get after I make a decision that was one of many different options that I could have gone with that directly impacts or indirectly impacts my children. And I feel like I feel mom guilt in every single decision I make, no matter how small. And I feel this every day from the amount of screen time they have or the amount of outdoor time they have or did I go out with my husband and and leave them here with somebody else? Do I send them to daycare? Do I homeschool them? You know what I mean? So every, I think how I deal with it is first always reminding myself that I'm going to always feel it. And no matter what decision I make, there's always going to be some level of mom guilt there just because you want the best for your kids. And there's never any, there's no handbook. There's no handbook for this shit. Like I'm I'm not going to be able to see that this is the right decision when I make it. I just have to go with my gut and go with what I feel is the right decision for me to show up as 
a really good mom and for my kids so that they can be happy and fulfilled. I am also very much working on not giving that feeling of guilt any more than it deserves. I try not to dwell on that feeling too much, even though it can linger a bit. And that reminder is super helpful because it's just representing that I'm trying to consider all options with whatever decision I'm making. And if I didn't have any kind of mom guilt, or if you don't, I feel like that mom guilt is signs of a great mom, guys. <laughs> it, it really is. And I think another great kind of check mechanism for me is before making any kind of decision that impacts my kids, knowing that I'm going to feel that kind of mom guilt afterwards, regardless of the decision I make, is there going to be a moment like if I had, if I had a moment where one day my kids would come to me about this decision and say, mom, why did you make this decision? What's going to be my answer? And that kind of helps me think through how would I communicate this decision to my kids in a way that they will understand that I considered all options. I landed on this one. Maybe it was the wrong choice. Maybe it was the right one. But if they were to ask me, why did you make this decision? I can explain myself. I can, I have a reason to make this decision. And I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. And so that's how I deal. It's not, it's not a perfect equation. I wish it didn't exist, but I feel like you are such a great mom just by asking this question. So wishing you all the mom guilt. No, just kidding. Okay. Next question is from It's Carly B. Thank you for asking the question. Things you didn't do or worry about with your second baby. Oh boy. A couple things come to mind here and I'm sure there are a ton more because I just my 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 experience with both of my kids after bringing them home has been very different. But one thing I've definitely noticed with my son is I am much less of a nervous wreck helicopter mom with him than I was with Jade. I feel like with Jade, when she started crawling and, and walking and just being super mobile and curious, I was just following her around all the time, making sure she wouldn't bonk her head or fall down. Just really crazy helicopter mom. And that must have been so annoying. And it doesn't allow her, it didn't allow her to learn. It didn't allow her to learn that if you bonk your head on, on this wall that you shouldn't do that anymore. But with Malachi, yes, I'm still very careful, but I allow him to explore a bit more. I am definitely a little more comfortable with him being an exploring toddler and being less of a helicopter mama while, you know, still kind of keeping those boundaries. And another thing I didn't do, or maybe something that I did longer with my son is I breastfed him for much longer than my daughter. And it's weird because my milk kind of started to dry up around the same time with both of them, but I pushed through, or I tried to push through as long as I could with Malachi. I tried to last... 18 months breastfeeding with him. Obviously, I did not make it that far, but I made it, I think I made it five months longer than I did with Jade. And I just power pumped and tried every supplement you could think of. None of it ended up working, but I was able to kind of squeeze out a few more months 
literally squeeze out a few more months breastfeeding him than I did with Jade. And I thought that was amazing. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to shame my, my first experience at all with how long I was able to breastfeed, but I am, I am glad that I was able to stick it out a bit longer um, with my son. Okay. And I think we have time for one more. This question comes from Nini Von Moose. Hi, Nini. <laughs> your question is, what do you want to incorporate from your childhood and apply to how you raise your kids? And or what would you not do or do differently? Wow. Talk about a hard hitting question. So I looked at this question. I actually had to think about it for a little bit because there are so many things from my childhood that I really think my parents got right. And then there are areas as well that I think I would change. And starting off with what I definitely want to carry over. When I think about my dad as, you know, when I was a little girl, what I loved about him is he always, 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 always saw the potential in me. And he, he saw, he wanted to like boast to everyone that I was a child prodigy. Like he started me on Hooked on Phonics when I was like nine months old. He had me trying to read books, even though I couldn't. He just always, always wanted to show me that I was capable at doing things better than everyone else and faster than everyone else. And I wasn't going to be a superstar everywhere, but he really kind of instilled that early confidence in myself in, in many different ways. And I, I love that because I, I see that relationship with him and my kids now, and it just makes me all warm and giggly on the inside because my dad and I have had our share of struggles um, in our past, but he's always been such a fantastic dad. And I, I love that part of my childhood. And I want to be able to instill that kind of confidence and pull out the potential for my kids by encouraging them to explore their potentials in many different ways. So I love that. And then when I think about my mom, I think about all of the memories that she made for me and my cousins growing up, like taking us to the beach every weekend or taking us on hikes or making every single holiday a thing with arts and crafts and baking and activities. And she always, always, always made sure we had something fun to do. We would have like taco eating contests and watermelon eating contests and water balloon fights. And she just made things such a blast, just such a caring, detail-oriented mom that just made so much fun for all of us. And I want to be that for my kids. And then I think about the things that I would do differently and... As I got older, I feel like some decisions that I would look at that my parents made that I once that I once thought were wrong decisions or wrong approaches, I'm I'm now understanding why they did certain things or approached parenting in certain ways now that I'm a parent. And I don't think I don't think any kind of decisions they made were wrong. It was just 
again, going back to the mom guilt thing, like it was what they thought was the best for me and the best for them and how they could show up best as my parents. But I think in many of the decisions that they made and them wanting me to be protected or sheltered from those decisions led to a lot of loneliness or or mistrust at times. And I felt like they wouldn't communicate with me as much as I wanted them to around certain things. And so again, I think this, I think they just wanted to, to protect me and I, and I understand that, but I think I'm still, I'm still mulling over how I will want to communicate with my kids. And maybe, maybe it just so happens that I will take their approach, but I feel like I feel like my husband and I will will likely communicate with our kids differently the decisions that we make or or be more open about having tough conversations with them while still protecting them as much as we can from things that they shouldn't have to worry about. So that's very vague. <laughs> that's a really deep question. And I, I want to thank you for asking it. So I'm going to go like journal now. <laughs> But that's a great topic. I think that's a good topic for another episode. So I think that's all the time we have for questions. We did have a few more, but we'll save them for the next episode. Thank you so much for asking questions, by the way. I feel like the first episode, it was pulling teeth trying to get a question. I was like, Maurice, can you plant a question on my Instagram? (laughs) So last segment, and we'll probably switch up the segments for next time, just so these episodes aren't as predictable. But I did have a funny things your kid has done this week segment on my Instagram. And we did get a submission, a submission from Brie. Hi, Brie. This is hilarious. You guys, Brie says this week, she put her two-year-old in timeout. I'm just gonna read what she said. I put my two-year-old in timeout. I asked him to please not get up. I went to the kitchen and next thing I know he is scooting on his butt into the kitchen. He looks up at me and says, I didn't get up. Our kids are so much smarter than we think they are. They are not, they, okay, toddlers are not manipulative, you guys. They are not. They're still learning, but they are smart as all hell. (laughs) Okay, so I know I said I was going to have a guest on this week, but it actually ended up not working out. I think we're going to have our first guest sometime in the next several episodes. (laughs) I say that because I don't know which episode it's actually going to land on, but we do have a couple guests lined up. I just need to get good recording dates down with them, but just for a little sneak peek, it's going to be a variety of guests. We will have an expecting mom on the show. We will also have a more seasoned mom on the show that I know very well who has two teenage daughters, and I just want to learn from her kind of how her relationships change with her kids over the years and even talk about transition from one to two kids. I think that is a great topic that has actually been dropped in my DMs a couple times, but I guess I want to close off today by saying I haven't been <laughs> I haven't been dropping the whole like and subscribe thing around this podcast, but it would be great if you could like it, rate it, subscribe it or follow it. I'm still trying to figure out how podcast analytics work, so Bear with me, but if you think anyone would love to listen or 
or learn about um, different experiences, would love if you please share. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you guys next week. Mm -hmm.